Welcome to Theories of the Third Kind. All right, welcome to Theories of the Third Kind. I am your host today, Aaron, and the other host joining me today is Daniel Sun. What's going on, guys? Today's episode is time travel. We're going to discuss what is time travel and then go over some of the most famous time travelers and theories in history. Uh, but before we get started, I want to make a few announcements. First one is we do not run any ads or take any money from corporate overlords. So if you'd like to help us out, a written review on iTunes helps the show tremendously. If you don't want to leave one, though, that is fine. We just want you guys and girls to enjoy the show. Also, uh, if any of you would like to reach out to us, then you can shoot us a message on Instagram or Facebook, or you can go to our website, which is theoriesofthethirdkind.com, or you can type in tot3k.com, and that will take you there. The contact button is where you'll find our email addresses. Also, on our website, you can leave us voicemails with your phone, our potato, and we will play them probably when Kate and Donnie get back on the show, which should be a week or two, maybe. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Uh, anyways, so let's roll into this week's episode, Time Travelers. So Daniel, can you give me like a little quick summary of what is time travel? Time travel is the concept of movement between certain points in time, typically using a hypothetical device known as a time machine. Time traveling is a widely recognized in philosophy and fiction and has the most likely existed ever since man and woman has realized his or her own mistakes and wish they could change them. Today, we are going to discuss some people who have supposedly time traveled in history and the theories and facts regarding them. Thank you. Yeah. So some of the most famous time travelers and theories, we're going to start off with this individual by the name of Andrew Carlson. Have you ever heard of this guy before, Dan? I have not. I heard about him a few years ago, but I never really looked into him until, I don't know, a couple of days ago when we were doing the research on this. My mind is blown, absolutely blown. So on January 28th in 2003, the SEC, which if some of you don't know who that, what the SEC is, it's the Securities and Exchange Commission. And if you don't know how the SEC works or what it is, basically the Securities and Exchange Commission holds the primary responsibility for like enforcing the federal security laws and oversees like all the transactions on the stock market to make sure that no one is doing insider trading. And if you don't know what insider trading is, it's basically the trading of public company stock based on non-public information about the company. Um, like for an example, if I worked for Enron and I knew that they were going to shut down because I was the CEO and I had the information before anyone else and no one else outside of the company knew this. And I went ahead and shorted the stocks, meaning I bet against it. Or I sold all my stocks or shares that I owned of the company before telling the public that we were shutting down. Then I would be in violation of insider trading. Okay. Hmm. Back to January 28th, 2003. The SEC requested the FBI to question and investigate a man named Andrew Carlson under the suspicion of insider trading. This is common. They do this quite a bit. So while almost all of Wall Street suffered huge economic losses due to the extraordinary market volatility during this time, Andrew Carlson experienced an extraordinary gain 
in 126 stock market decisions. So this is why he was investigated, because in two weeks, in a two-week period, Andrew Carlson, while everybody else was just losing their ass in the stock market, Andrew Carlson took $800 and turned it into $350 million. Damn. Yeah. And they were all high-risk stock market transactions without making a single mistake in all of those transactions. The, the, I, I, I wanted to crunch the math to see what the, the probability of someone being able to do something like that, but I couldn't actually find out real statistics and numbers and stuff like that. But that is absolutely crazy, you know? Yeah, that's just absurd. Wish I was his friend. Yeah, so in 2003, he immediately became the talk of the town, and other stock traders began to suspect that something strange was happening with Mr. Carlson. So the FBI started questioning him. They brought him in, and during the four hours of interrogation, Andrew Carlson admitted that he, <laughs> that he came from the year 2256, and at that time, there was knowledge of the volatility of the current stock market, and that it was so common that anyone who knew the history of the stock market could take advantage of it. So to prove his confession, Carlson supposedly provided predictions about the exact date of the invasion of Iraq and uh, also offered to report on the whereabouts of Osama bin Laden and a cure for AIDS. The only thing Carlson wanted in return was to be freed and quote unquote to be able to return to his time machine until his current trial date. So when he, he was asked about the location of the time travel machine. He uh, flatly refused to give the location of his time travel machine and to talk about how it worked out of the fear that this technology could fall into the wrong hands. Of course, the FBI did not believe the Carlson story. So they ended up detaining him and the judge put a bell on him for $1 million. Then on March 29th, 2003, so two months later, a stranger who did not give his name or anything about himself, posted Andrew's $1 million bail. After having his bail posted, Andrew disappeared and was never seen again. What do you think of that, Daniel? That's crazy. The fact that this guy offered whereabouts of Osama bin Laden and a cure for AIDS, but of course, the FBI didn't care about that. They just wanted that time machine. Well, yeah, I would, I would want the time machine. I mean, imagine how much <laughs> they'd say fuck Osama bin Laden and the cure for AIDS. We're trying to get some of that, some of that, uh, 2256 vagina. Yeah. So I want it, man. I wish I could hire a time traveling stock trader to manage my finances for me. See, they didn't make a website like that to where if you want to invest some money, the person would have like connections to someone from the future. But like, Hey, this guy wants to pay this much for this amount of information. Then they do a little change of, currencies imagine that imagine having that i would if i was a stock trader and i had to manage other people's funds that would be my tagline i'm from the future i know how to manage your money the best way but this makes me think this has got my gears turning now this is a little crazy but you remember in our jeff epstein episode where he managed solely managed large amounts of funds literally just thinking that yeah, over a billion dollars you had to be for him to manage your funds. What if he was a time traveler like Andrew Carlson? 
And what if he didn't die in prison? What if he just got to his time machine and... I don't know. That's a I little mean, out there. Way out there. But Do they have his body? I haven't seen his body. Oh, well, they supposedly took the picture of his body. Well, that supposedly is his body that they, you know, that they photographed outside of the prison or whatever. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, I thought that was interesting. The Andrew Carlson one. But I guess we should roll into... Uh, Big question, though. Go ahead. What happened to his 325 million? Was it 325 I- million? Or 350 million? Uh, 350 million. I don't know. That's a good question. Does that mean the FBI has just got made a profit of 350 million? Possibly. I don't know. That's a good question. Funding to make hmm. that time machine. You think if he was a time traveler, he could have uh, said, uh, oh, well, I can't make those high risk trades because I would be in violation of time travel policy 0226, which means I can't go back and raise suspicion about myself. Anyways. All right. Let's roll into John Tidor. So, uh, can you tell me, Dan, who John Tidor is? John Tidor is like one of the most popular time travelers. I don't know much about time traveling, but I've at least heard of this guy. Yeah, he's like the grandfather of time traveling. He's like the Hulk Hogan of time traveling. Yeah, so in the early days of the web, an internet user calling themselves time travel underscore zero began posting on the message boards of the Time Travel Institute. Over the course of multiple posts, Time Travel Zero revealed he was a soldier from the year 2036, and he was trying to warn people about the oncoming civil and nuclear wars that would supposedly cost millions of lives. So in 2001, Time Travel Zero joined the forums of Art Bell and began using the name John Tidor and started answering questions that other users were asking. So why did he travel back in time? According to Tidor, he was sent back in time to pick up an IBM 5100 which his grandfather had helped design. Supposedly he needed this model, one of the first portable personal computers, to correct predicted issues with the Unix in his timeline. After acquiring the computer, he stopped in the year 2000 for personal reasons to warn people about the threat of the Kreutzfeldt jacob disease, which would be spread through beef products. Yeah, so uh, really interesting that he said that he went back in time to pick up the IBM 5100, because this, I started looking into the IBM 5100 and how it played into this. So one of the oddest parts about his story is why would someone in the future need an old computer? In 1975, IBM released this 5100 as one of the world's first personal computers, and it came with one feature that set it apart from all the other computers of its time, that it could debug and emulate code written in other programmable languages, such as BASIC and APL. According to Tidor, this feature would allow people of the future to keep their technological architecture running after a Unix timeout error in 2038. He said he wanted to snag an IBM 5100 and help debug the code that would keep the world's computers from having a meltdown. So, just a little side little note, I did some more research on this IBM 5100 and found out some interesting stuff. The IBM 5100 did indeed contain functionality that was hidden from the public. At the time when most computers could only support the basic programming language, the IBM 5100 had the ability to emulate programs in both BASIC for the System 3 and APL for the System 370. According to Bob Dubeck, one of the IBM 5100 engineers, this function was hidden because of worries about how IBM's competition might use it. So even if the function wasn't hidden, 
the general public essentially around 2000 to 2001 most likely had little idea that such a machine even existed or what they even did. It was like speaking kind of like a robot to people, you know? So whoever the individual posting as John Tidor was, he, he knew his stuff. He knew the IBM computer. He knew that it could emulate code written in other programmable languages. So his story lined up when it came to the 5100 part. But Dan, the main question people were probably wondering is what kind of time machine did he use? So in one of his posts, Tidor explained that he used a stationary mass temporal displacement unit powered by two Topspin dual positive singularities, which created a standard offset Tipler Cessnoid. All that tech was supposedly crammed into a 1967 Chevy Corvette. Though he reportedly changed vehicles a few times, Tidor posted multiple photographs of a manual for the machine, which contained detailed diagrams, and he even posted pictures of the timey wimey device itself. Yeah, so now I have a few, 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 have a few pictures uh, posted up on here. On the research paper that you can see the diagram of the time traveling machine and then you can see where it was stationed at in his vehicle kind of like near his console yeah. so for listeners i'm going to try to explain this and i'll have these pictures posted up on our instagram so if you want to go to our instagram theories of the third kind you can click on the uh little circle thing that shows pictures or whatever and we'll have it listed there so it shows the diagram major systems description of the Army model GEC204, and that is super detailed. It is very detailed. It's it's like a square rectangle. How would you describe this, Dan? It's about this. It looks like so the the Ghostbusters. You ever seen the movie Ghostbusters? I was just thinking the Ghostbusters. That thing they, they throw on the ground to capture the ghosts. It's exactly what it looks like. So if you've ever seen the movies. Ghostbusters is what it looks like. The thing they throw on the ground that the ghosts get sucked into, that's 100% what it looks like. Definitely. Except um, it doesn't have the handle thing on top or on the side or whatever. But it it looks like a mix between that and one of those old portable car phones. Yeah. Yeah, it does. But that's pretty interesting for him to have that back in, when was it? 2001 when he started posting on these forums. All I know is he should have picked something else other than a Chevy. I would have gone with a Ford. So did he make any predictions while he was on this board? Did, well, after he was talking about his time machine, he posted these. Or first, he went on this board. He started answering questions. Then he said the reason why he went back in time. And then, you know, he talked about his time machine and how he went back in time. But did he give any predictions on the future itself? In his short time on the Internet, Tidor made a series of interesting predictions that have seen mixed accuracies. One of his early messages warned of a Y2K disaster that would leave the U.S. in a state of martial law. His most dire warning was of a second American civil war that would begin in 2004 that turned out to be untrue, but his claim about the occurrence of a Waco-type event every month, referring to the 1993 siege in Waco, Texas, was not entirely inaccurate. If you add up worldwide incidents of violence, he went on to say that by 2008, the world as we knew it have disappeared and that the U.S. would split into multiple sovereign nations. He also predicted a short but intense World War III. Tidor reportedly predicted the Iraq War. The strangest thing is that he specifically mentioned weapons of mass destruction and the deception surrounding them before they were brought to national attention. T. 
Tudor allegedly wrote, none of the things I have said will be a surprise. They were set in motion 10, 20, even 30 years ago. Are you really surprised to find out that Iraq has nukes now? Or is it that just BS to whip everyone up into accepting the next war? Oh, damn, that was good. That was pretty good. Nailed it right on the head. Yeah, he did. So he also wrote a post claiming that due to worldwide conflict, the final Olympics would take place in 2004. Uh, So that prediction was kind of a dud. But it's important to note that Tidor was kind of like all over the place when discussing the future. This could mean he was perpetrating an elaborate hoax, but it could also mean the Olympics didn't happen in his timeline while it continued to happen in ours. Kind of like the parallel universe, right? You go back and you're not in your timeline anymore. That's what kind of some people are thinking because he got some stuff right, but some stuff wrong. I don't know. One of the many hot takes Tito brought back from his future was how people in his time viewed Americans from the past. He wrote in a post from 2000. So I'm going to pretend like this is how he talks. Perhaps I should let all in. I'm not going to talk like that. Perhaps I should let you all in on a little secret. No one likes you in the future. This time period is looked at as being full of lazy, self-centered, ignorant sheep. Perhaps you should be less concerned about me and more concerned about that. Learn basic sanitation. Learn to shoot and clean a gun. Consider what you would bring with you if you had to leave your home in 10 minutes and never return. Ooh. That's what he said in 2000 about Americans, what they're viewed as. You better learn to shoot and clean your gun. Better shoot, clean your gun, and clean your ass, supposedly, to him. Yeah. But, uh, so can you tell me a little bit about the John Tidor Foundation, Daniel? So, if you do some digging in the John Tidor story, you'll discover something called the John Tidor Foundation, a mysterious web 1.0 site that features a collection of dates and times, along with the phrase, 177 Tempest Edax Rerum. Good luck, John. The foundation was allegedly set up by Larry Haber, a lawyer who lives in Florida, before it was just a lonely webpage, the John Tidor Foundation self-published John Tidor, A Time Traveler's Tale, a compilation of online posts allegedly made by Tidor that you can still find on Amazon for over $100 a copy. Or you can just go to DuckDuckGo and just Google it and you can find all those without having to pay 100 bucks to this lawyer. Yeah. Just a suggestion. I mean, so 100 bucks though. What does this lawyer have to do with John Tidor? When I started reading this, I was like, what the hell does he have to do with him? So aside from all the time travel, one of the most confusing things about John Tidor is the story of Larry Haber. He is a entertainment lawyer who allegedly represents Kay Tidor, a woman believed to be the mother of John Tidor. Supposedly, a group of amateur private detectives managed to interview Haber. He spoke at length about Tidor's mother and about a video that allegedly shows Tidor leaving in his time machine. Apparently, after the interview, Haber asked for his comments to be deleted. Why would he even do the interview in the first place? What an asshole, huh? Yeah. Anyways, so the main theory about Haber is that although he may not be John Tidor, his brother or his son could be. His brother is a computer scientist, and his son allegedly connected to projects with NSA, the U.S. Air Force, and NASA. When the amateur detectives asked Haber whether or not his son could be John Tidor, he said that he wouldn't be surprised if that was the case. <laughs> what do you think, Daniel? It's all crazy. Like, just 
all this information about John Tidor, it, I want to say it makes me a believer, but it, it piques my interest to learn more about what this guy knew. I mean, not all of his predictions are true, but I mean, he gets really close to predicting this stuff. Some of the things he gets close in predicting. I mean, the whole Iraq war and basically going into there saying that they got, oh, weapons of mass destructions, but it being a lie that he hit directly on the other stuff. Not so much. Yeah. Now, I have a belief it may sound a little crazy, but parallel universes, if there is time travelers going into parallel universes where other events or other universes may have different things happening. You know, and he may have slipped in ours and then slipped right back at it. So that's John Tidor. Now we're going to go over the man from Torrid. So Daniel, do you want to you tell us a little bit about this man from Torrid? In 1954, a man trying to get through customs at Haneda Airport in Tokyo, Japan, had a bit of trouble with the custom agents. It wasn't because he forgot to declare something on his customs form, but because he claimed to be from a country that didn't exist. He had a passport and stamps to prove it. His passport was from a country called Torrid, which he claimed was in between Spain and France. When customs officials pulled out a map and asked him if he meant Andorra, he became angry. He said, yes, the location was right, but Torrid had existed for at least a thousand years. He had never heard of Andorra. He was given a hotel room for the night while the police tried to figure out what was happening. Even though there were armed guards posted outside his room, the man had vanished by the next morning. His passport, which had been stored in the security office at the airport, was also gone. Officials never figured out the mystery of the man from Torrid. I tried to find more information on that. I couldn't find nothing. That was all I could find. And it is interesting, and it does pique my curiosity, and I want to know more, but I can't find anything. I couldn't even find out where this story started from. I tried digging, and I couldn't find nothing. Man, if you listeners out there find any more information on Torrid, should definitely hit up Aaron. Definitely hit me up. I would love to hear more information about this guy. All right. Now we're going to talk about Donald Trump's time traveler theory. If you haven't heard about this theory, it's pretty interesting. Um, pretty crazy. But uh, I don't know. I'll just I'll, I'll tell you about the theory. You can form your own opinion. I thought it was interesting. That's why I provided it in this. So Donald Trump's time traveling theory. I'm sure everybody knows who Nikola Tesla is, right? Oh, yeah. So after his death, the FBI ordered the alien property custodian to seize Nikola Tesla's belongings, even though Tesla was an American citizen. The National Defense Research Committee called in an MIT professor to make sense and to kind of go over Tesla's notes in order to analyze if anything in them could be weaponized. You know, typical American thing to do. But that. MIT professor was John Trump, who is Donald Trump's uncle. So if you're not familiar with Tesla's theories in his later years, right before he died, he explored fantastic topics like free energy, anti-gravity, invisibility, and even some time travel. But John Trump, who's Donald Trump's uncle, claimed that there was nothing of any real substance in Nikola Tesla's notes. The theory goes that he was lying because he knew that if the National Defense Research Committee realized what the notes contained, it could mean the end of the world, because including in them were blueprints for a theoretical time, time machine. Although John Trump thought that Tesla's time machine was plausible, it was not possible 
to create using the technology existing during his time. John Trump later died in 1985, but not before leaving Tesla's notes and their implications to the protection of his nephew, Donald Trump. So basically, John Trump, MIT professor, gets these notes from Tesla, sees his theoretical time machine, says, oh, it could work, but we don't have the technology now. Let me hand it down to my nephew, see if he can make any time, make any sense of it. So Interesting. <laughs> I make the best time machine ever. It's huge. Best trade Anyways. in U.S. history. <laughs> so around the same time, Donald Trump was known to use pseudonyms such as John Miller and John Barron in partial homage to his uncle. However, there was another one that Trump was not so well known for using, which was John Trump. So the theory goes that Trump figured out how to make this time machine. He traveled to the future under this assumed identity of a soldier, where he discovered that America and the entire world had become a nuclear dystopia caused by radical terrorists. Trump, sorry, I'm trying to keep it together. Trump traveled time, amassing a fortune, and making small changes, which helped him delay the future he saw for as long as he could. Trump knew that the only way that he could have enough influence to prevent this future totally would to be become president of the United States. This theory also says that Trump has a bizarre ability to accurately predict and manipulate his political opponents to his advantage, which is more evidence point to him as being a time traveler. And then it also says that Trump wants to be president, but not for very long, only as long as it takes. He also said that he wouldn't want to be president if there was someone else he thought would do a good job. This is where Mike Pence comes into play. <laughs> you see, hmm. so the theory goes, the theory goes, you see, Mike Pence is also a time traveler who Trump met many years ago. Pence is from far in the future and has a superior time machine to Trump. To put it simply, he can be present at the same time more than once. There can be more than one Mike Pence's on Earth in any given time period. That's terrifying. That's very terrifying. Um, also... <laughs> Also, if you thought Pence looks a little strange or out of place, it is because he's from far enough in the future where races have so, sort of become one, all mixed together. So that's the Donald Trump time traveling theory. It was interesting. And by the way, here's a little disclosure. I'm not Republican. I'm not Democrat. I am neither. I take no political affiliations to anybody whatsoever. That's kind of like my disclosure. So if you feel like I'm bashing and I'm a Democrat or a leftist, you're wrong. If you feel like I'm a right, you're wrong. I'm neither. Anyways, just thought I would say that. You're a Republican. No, no, I'm not. I'm neither. I'm the, I'm the party of the people. I'm just the party. <laughs> okay. So this next theory, the Simpsons writer, is a time traveler theory. Let me hear it, Daniel. <laughs> Let me hear this. Honestly, I can believe this because all the episodes I've seen, for some reason, they seem to come true. So first airing on December 17th of 1989, The Simpsons is still running strong on their 31st season. Most people are familiar with the iconic yellow animated family and their day-to-day -day life. With the show running for so many years, some coincidences are bound to happen. But with the amount of exact specific scenarios that were predicted in some episodes, the Simpsons have sparked up some conversation about the writer being a time traveler himself. I totally believe it. With what these coincidences are, I read one and I was like, okay, 
it's a coincidence. Read the next one. Eh. Read the third, the fourth, the fifth. I was like, okay, no, 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 no. The Simpsons writer is 100% a time traveler because of this shit. Go ahead and tell, tell, tell the listeners about Siegfried and Royd. Siegfried and Roy. Siegfried and Roy were German-American duo magicians and entertainers who became known for their appearances with white lions and white tigers, being famous for their well-behaved animals. An episode of The Simpsons aired in 1993 that showed Siegfried and Roy being attacked and mauled by one of their white tigers. Funny thing, 2003, this exact scenario happened. The white tiger turned against them and attacked them. I mean, honestly, for one, I still think that was probably bound to happen. It's a, it's a tiger. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, they're like, yeah, they're the king of the forest, you know. They got to get out their aggression somehow. They got these two guys with some crazy-ass hair. D- didn't they have, like, uh, mullets or something? I don't, I don't think it was a mullet. It just, it was, like, puffed out. I don't know what you would call it. I'm not good with hairstyles. But it was, it was majestic. <laughs> majestic. They were these magicians that controlled these white tigers. White tigers said, fuck it. I had enough of your goofy-looking ass, and they, they, they jacked them up. Exactly. No more hairspray for them. So you could say that was a coincidence or people could say eventually their asses are going to get bitten. Okay, that one, I'll, I'll give a pass. I'll give a pass to that one. But this next one, I don't know. Eh, this next one, you know, it's the FaceTime and smartwatches. One episode aired in 1995 where Marge Simpson is seen calling through a screen as a way of communication. Today, this is what we call FaceTime. But FaceTime wasn't released to the public until 2010, meaning the episode foreshadowed it 15 years before. Also in 95, one episode showed a smartwatch being used by kids in a movie theater, though smartwatches were not public until 2014. It's another one. I went and watched that clip of that episode. She's FaceTiming, and them kids got smartwatches. So either one, Apple developers were big fans of Simpsons. And they seen that and was like, hey, we can develop that for the iPhone, which is the likely plausible explanation. Or the writer is a time traveler and went to the future, seen what people were doing and just wrote it into his cartoons. I don't know. I don't know. It gets, it gets crazier after that. Here comes some more coincidences. Dun, dun, dun. In 1997, an episode of The Simpsons showed a cover of a children's book that had the title Ebola Outbreak. Okay, for one, a children's book named the Ebola outbreak. Holy shit. But <laughs> what kind of asshole writes that? Yeah. Sorry. No, like in 2014, an Ebola outbreak occurred, which Did, <laughs> I mean, didn't. Okay. So back in the medieval times, Ebola ran rampant, rampant. So it wasn't just like 2014 was the only time it happened. I can kind of see this one as being a little bit of a stretch. Yeah. It could have so been we'll mark the that past one. or mean coincidence of it being in the future okay so we kind of explained those first three and well kind of so now we'll roll into the 9-11 one so in 1997 lisa simpson mentioned she wanted to go to new york and then she holds up a magazine that shows nine dollars to the left of that is a cartoon image of the twin towers which it makes it look like 9-11, which is, okay, that's a little stretch. But also, in an episode in uh, 1993, there's a painting on the wall that appears to be an image 
of the attack on the Twin Towers in 2001. I don't know. I'm going to have to see that picture. Hold on. Let me pull that one up real quick. 1993, Simpsons, 9-11. Oh, shit. There it is. It's like two people dancing, and then there's like a, a painting that shows the Twin Towers on fire with smoke, and then it shows a plane flying right into them. No shit. It Do you really see that does. one? Yeah. That's nuts, huh? Literally, there's the plane and there's the building on fire. Wow. We'll post that one up as well. That's nuts. All right. So the next one. Now that one is a little crazy. That 1993 episode of The Painting on the Wall. That one. Okay. I'm, I'm starting to believe that he's a time traveler. This one convinced me right here. This next one, The God Particle. So in a 1998 episode called The Wizard of Evergreen Terrace, Homer Simpson becomes an inventor and is shown in front of a complicated equation on a blackboard. So he's writing this complicated equation on the blackboard. That equation that's written on the blackboard by Homer Simpson, it predicts the mass of a Higgs boson particle, a.k.a. the God particle. Totally unknown until 2013 when scientists discovered proof of the Higgs boson in a $13 billion experiment and the equation matched the one written on the blackboard. That's crazy. That is what sealed the deal for me. 100%. So the last one, do you want to touch back on Donald Trump, Daniel? Oh, Mr. Trump. In an episode aired in 2000, they showed Trump becoming president. In the episode, Trump comes down an escalator, waving, goes to a podium to address the crowd. In 2016, it happened. A side-by-side image of the episode in real life of Trump waving his hand while going down an escalator, and it looks exactly like the Simpsons episode that aired 16 years earlier. That was nuts, huh? Have you seen that side-by-side comparison? I have, and I was just like, no way. Yeah. But legit, it, Simpsons predicted it. Trump is a massive fan of the Simpsons. It was like, okay, I'm going to pay tribute to them by doing this, or... They're time traveler buddies. They're time travelers. Okay. With all this presented, this poses the question. Is the writer of The Simpsons, Matt Groening, is he a time traveler? So, I'll answer that. Answer it. Well, Matt Groening not only created The Simpsons, but he also created Futurama. In an episode of Futurama, one of the characters, Leela, is writing a kid's show. And she's actually just going to another planet and writing what she sees. Some say that him doing that episode is his confession on what he actually does. That he actually goes to another planet or goes to the future, sees it, and then writes a kid's show about it, a.k.a. The Simpsons. But why would a time traveler just go back and forth in time to create a cartoon? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Are time travelers all around us? And we don't know about it. Are the elite time travelers? Is Donald Trump a time traveler? Is he, he got the hugest, the biggest time traveling device ever? I don't know. What do you think, Daniel? I mean, he might be a time traveler and he's going around making cartoons as pretty much like what a history book, but a history cartoon show. Ooh, that is a good theory. Do you think time travelers are real? 100%. Tell me now. I think so. I think they're around and some of them are making more of a contribution, I guess you say, to themselves, I guess, making more money for themselves, making cartoons, playing with the stock markets. 
but I'm pretty sure they're out there and they're just living their life. Just, you know, making just enough money to get by without giving themselves away. Have you seen those pictures of the um, supposed people in the future that they were caught in cam- on camera in like the 30s and 40s? Like, or not even the 30s and 40s, but that famous Mike Tyson boxing match where that one person's holding up what looks like a iPhone and recording it, but this was way before the iPhone? No, I have not seen that. That's actually really good. You should look into that. Um, but I got an interesting theory now since we're kind of like into personal thoughts and theories is my lottery time traveling theory. I'm sure the listeners have heard of this and I'm sure you probably have heard of this too. I think Hmm. the lottery, nobody actually wins it. The only people that win it are time travelers because it's a way for time travelers to get caught. The lottery is, that's the only way the the government's like, okay, we got to figure out a way to capture time travelers. How do we do it? Let's set up the lottery. What does everybody say when they want to travel back in time? I wish I had the winning lottery numbers. So if they do actually develop it and they go back in time and win the lottery, the government's like, boop, there we go. We got a time traveler. I mean, that's a smart way of catching them, but I, I don't know. You think that time travel, like they knew they were about to get caught. They hop in their little time machine, try to get away. Possibly. Yeah, that would make more sense. Damn it. <sighs> I mean, hey, the FBI could be already waiting for them. Already knows that they're going to win the lottery, I guess, with their time machines. Yep. Because they had that $350 million already built that time machine. That's true. Thanks a lot, uh, Andrew Carlson, for giving that $315 million to the government. It's not like they're spending a trillion dollars every, what, six months or some shit like that? Creating that space army. To fend off from alien time travelers. Okay, I have a question. <clears throat> you could travel back in time and do anything you wanted, but it could only, you only had one minute. What would it be? Oh, man, that's tough. With only one, one minute? One minute. You could go to any time, in anything, and you only had one minute. You get sent right back to where you're at now, but you couldn't bring anything back. You had one minute, 60 seconds. Dang. Oh, that is very tough, especially with just that amount of time. Like so many things went through my head. It's like, would that be more important to see? But the only thing like I would think about money, like what I can do to try to bring back with just one minute to make as much money as possible. Then I thought the lottery, then I'm just like, I can't do that because that's how they capture you. That's how they capture me because that's the easiest way to win money. So I can't do that. So then I thought about the NFL, the Super Bowl. How much gambling goes on with the Super Bowl? I was like, I'd go back and pick one of the Super Bowls, the most unlikely teams to win or something like that. And I'd put so much money on them and watch them win and win so much money. Just saying. Okay. So you go back and make money. Okay. I see how it is. You know what I'd do? Tell me. I'd go back in 2009 when I had Wrath of the Lynch King expansion that I bought and I didn't use the the serial key, and I decided to sell it on D2JSB. And a guy messaged me and said, I'll give you $75, because I was ask, asking, I think, like 50 bucks for the serial key. He messaged me and he said, I'll give you $75 in Bitcoins for your digital Ooh. key. It's $25 more than you were asking. And I said, Bitcoin? What the fuck is Bitcoin? It's like 2008 or nine or something. Wait, when did Wrath of the Lynch King come out? It came out in 2009, right? 
Uh, around the, the time. I, maybe actually earlier. Wrath of the Inch Glitch Kings. So it was November 13th, 2008. So it was early 2009. It might have been December of 2008. One of those. And I was trying to get rid of the 13th of November of 2008. Yes. So it was late, late 2008. So I, I, I got that message from that guy. And I said, I have no idea. I was like, dude, I, I actually need the money. I do have no idea what the hell Bitcoin is. Never heard of it before. I'm, I'm okay, thank you. Then he sends me a message back and said, dude, Bitcoin's the future. You can go online and you can buy whatever you want with Bitcoin. And I said, well, I, I can't go and cash it out. And he said, no, not right now, but in the future, you'll be able to cash it out and you can just hold on to it as like an investment. I said, man, no thanks. I think I'm going to pass. And I ended up selling it for 50 bucks. So in 2008, in December of 2008, Bitcoin price was five cents. So let's just do some math, right? So if it was a nickel apiece and he had $75 worth, right? 1,500 Bitcoins. He would give me 1,500 Bitcoins. Let's just calculate it at what it was like. Uh, what did it go up to? Like $19,000 of Bitcoin in December of 2017? Yeah, 28.5 yeah. 28. million dollars. Uh, yeah. December 17th of 2017, $19,783 for one Bitcoin. Yeah, now it's like $8,200. So 1500 times $8,200. It'd still be $12.3 million for a key to a video game. Hmm. So yeah, I would travel back in time, and I would punch myself in the fucking face. <laughs> that exact moment that guy offered me it, and I said, no, what? Boom, punch myself right in the fucking face. And then I'd be like, what? what the hell did you do that for, future Aaron? And I would say, you message that guy back and you tell him, yes, you'll take it. And then you take that Bitcoin and you store it in an offline drive. You do not get rid of it. You put it in a safe. And then December of 2017, you upload it all and you sell it all. And then I would go back to where I'm at. I mean, you got to do all that in one minute. So would you like write a note to explain everything and then hand it to him and then disappear back or... Well, I just, think I could do all that in one minute. Because, I mean, if you're like yourself now, think about it. You'd be questioning, Ooh. did I just see myself? Yeah, that's true. I was pretty jacked up then back then, too. Like, I was in a great emotional state. I think I would have tried to fight myself if I came back and f- punched myself in the face. Be like, whoa, dude, you're like, you look like not me. all, you kind of look like me, but you got like a dad bod now. And like, what the hell happened to you? Do you do push-ups anymore, dude? And you got a lot of facial hair. What the hell? I can't even grow that now. No. No, no, no. You yeah. Johnny Depp looking that, mother. Just kidding. Yeah, you Johnny Depp looking some bitch. No. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's what I would do. Dude, that's, Anyways. I mean, that's more impressive than me just making a gamble on a Super Bowl game. Well, I've kind of thought about this, and it's haunted me my entire life. <laughs> Anyways. All right. So we're going to roll up this time travel episode. I want to thank everybody for joining us this week. Also, if you want to get in touch with us, you can go to theoriesofthethirdkind.com or tot3k.com. Again, we apologize about the short episode this week. Also, Kate and Donnie should be joining us again either next week or the following week. So we'll have the entire band back together. We've got a lot of great episodes coming up. Make sure you guys subscribe to us on iTunes or leave us an iTunes review. If not, keep listening and we enjoy it. We love hearing from you guys, so shoot us those messages on Instagram or Facebook or anything like that. 
And uh, Daniel, you got anything to add before you send them off? Oh, definitely. Like I said earlier, guys, if y'all find any more information on the man from Torrid, hit Aaron up. And not just that, on Instagram and stuff, let us know what you would do if you only had one minute to time travel. Ooh, all right. Remember, guys, it's okay to be out of this world with your thoughts. Because you're not alone. Have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast.